Welcome into the latest edition of the Ebony Bird Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McDonald. You can follow us on Twitter at Ebony underscore Bird, the official fan-sided affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens and EbonyBird.com. And of course, this podcast is coming to you through either iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, contributor Jake McDonald for uh, Ebony Bird. You can follow me on Twitter at jmcdonald 95 We're going to be joined in a couple of seconds by our site experts, Chris Sisler and Joe Schiller, right in a second here. You can follow him on Twitter at FootballMan58 uh, for Chris and then Joe Schiller with two R's for Joe. And before we get started, just to recap, Going over the Ravens and Steelers game, uh, we have a lot to get into. We're going to talk about the Ravens' 39-38 to loss to the Steelers. We're going to talk about some of the top performers and standouts from that game, as well as some disappointments. We're going to go over the Ravens' remaining schedule uh, and if, if they're going to win out or whether it's going to be a letdown, and then we're going to break down the Browns game coming up this weekend. So before we get started, make sure you download the Ebony Bird app from the App Store. Some great uh, content. It's the way you can catch up to everything, have it easily accessible on your mobile device, on your tablet. Uh, you can get it on your phone as well. We have Welcome to the Alex Collins Show by uh, Joe. Got that up earlier today, and then another one up today as well. Who was at fault against the Steelers from Connor Brooks, another one of our contributors for Ebony Bird here. And to kind of just go into things real quick again, um, I'm contributor Jake McDonald. Hope everyone uh, like myself, who has taken finals this week, uh, has good luck. Just wishing you uh, the best as we get through uh, the end of the semester here. I got I got wrapped up yesterday. I had uh, two finals, and then uh, during the evening I drove home, and I've been home since last night. I have a couple of things to finish up for some online classes, but as far as being in Bloomsburg, I am done home for about five weeks here, and that'll be a great opportunity to get some content out, uh, more content that I've been I'm out with recently, including the Ebony Bird podcast. So, fellas, let's get right into it. Chris and then Joe. Uh, heartbreaking loss, you know, blowing an 11-point lead. There's so much we, we're going to have to get into. The defense allowing 500 passing yards. The offense, the questionable play calling towards the end of the game, even though Flacco and company didn't play all that bad. Uh, how are we feeling two days removed from... Even, even though this game, like, we just got done uh, discussing this before we got started. Even though this game, it yes, it, it sealed the the, uh, the Ravens' fate as far as the division's concerned, even though they weren't going to uh, win it anyway. But even though it, it didn't change their playoff situation at all, really, really heartbreaking loss. More of the same against the Steelers. Now the third uh, year in a row this has happened, or third time in a row that the Steelers have come victorious against the Ravens. And even though it might not be as bad last year where the Ravens lost in Pittsburgh and were, uh, as a result, were eliminated from the postseason, even though that wasn't the case on Sunday night, it felt like the same exact thing all over again, which is why this was so frustrating. We'll go to you now, Chris. Yeah, it felt like the same exact thing. And Dean Pease, two times in a row, has tried the same thing. We'll get more on that later. But the reason this one's heartbreaking is the Baltimore Ravens fought really hard to regain the power on this divisional matchup. I, 2011, we we swept them. We beat them in the playoffs of 2014, and in that in a, and we swept them in 2015. Even when we stunk, we had the power in the matchup. Tomlin didn't have answers for Harbaugh, and now the Steelers have the power. And every time we go go against Pittsburgh, everything tightens up. I think the fans can feel it. Everything tightens it up. It used to. For a while there, we were beating our chest. Now we're just like, oh, God, we've got to play Pittsburgh again. And that's a problem because I think that carries over to the team, too. And I think this is Pittsburgh saying, hey, we've got the power in this divisional matchup. This rivalry is ours. Um, and, hey, 
it it gets frustrating though because it, it, they always talk about how good of a game this is and how great of a rivalry it is. But it feels like the guys on NBC, oh my goodness, were they Steelers lovers. Um, but it, it's like it's a great rivalry to them as long as the Steelers edged out in the end. Yeah, when I was watching, I was following along on Twitter, and uh, Sarah Allison from uh, BaltimoreRavens.com made a really good point and with the Ryan Shazier stuff, and it's just so heartbreaking what happened with him. But there was no mention, not once, of Jimmy Smith's injury or any of the in- other injuries the Ravens have suffered this year. So, I mean, I was pretty biased on their side, too. I completely agree with you, Chris. But um, the, the frustrating thing is we saw such another good game from the offense, and the defense could just not hold it. I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but Brandon Carr was absolutely torched by Antonio Brown the entire night. I don't know how Dean Pease did not know how to make an in-game adjustment and at least put Marlon Humphrey on, on Brown more than he was because Humphrey actually had a very good game. There was double team on Brown the entire night anyway, and with the Ravens' lack of pass rush, Pease had a blitz, and when the safeties and the safeties are trying to blitz, that leaves coverage open, and Brandon Carr one-on-one with Antonio Brown is just not a matchup we ever want to see again in our entire lives because it seemed, you know, play after play he was just getting beat, and Brown had a huge night, over 200 yards, he didn't get into the end zone, but Roethlisberger threw for over 500 yards. Le'Veon Bell had three touchdowns. I mean, it was just a complete defensive collapse. And it sucks because the offense had such a great game. And it looked like the Steelers didn't have an answer for Alex Collins. And the, and Chris Moore actually was becoming just a more reliable receiver. Had a great game. And it's just it's so frustrating to watch because it's the complete opposite of what we expected. Um, what we saw earlier in the season where the defense has been really good, the offense really just hasn't really come into their own. But now – once the offense does, the defense takes a collapse, and you just can't. We just can't find a balance in between them, and it's like Jake said, it's it's tough because this really doesn't have an impact on the playoff picture because the Ravens are going to be a wild card seed either way. But it definitely is a big shot to the confidence because the Ravens had every chance to win this game. They were up 11 points that final drive. They had a chance to get into field goal range. There's some horrible play calling. The Jeremy Macklin. Um, Injury in quotation marks. I was just I watched that play over again. I don't know. I that's that's a tough one. I feel like he didn't really get hit that hard. But I, then again, I'm I'm not him, so I don't know how well he handles that stuff. But that cost the Ravens some time out, and then Flacco's unawareness to throw the ball away, and he got sacked, and then State Ravens didn't even realize that the clock was running, and they just huddled as time ran out. So I mean, for someone who stayed up till like one one thirty a.m. to watch this game and have the Ravens lose by one point, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And they can win out, that's fine. But it's I, I'm just trying to be optimistic with the stuff. There's definitely a lot of positives to take away, but there's definitely a lot of um, failures to take away too, and it's just very frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. It's so easy to point fingers at the Ravens' offense when they've been inept for really the entire first half of the season, and they've had some good performances lately. You know, you put up 38 points even in today's NFL. Uh, 38 points should be enough to get a victory. And yes, the Ravens, they weren't perfect on Sunday night. Flacco had a bad interception on the very first drive of the game uh, that completely stalled what was a good Raven, first Ravens drive. Uh, you had the questionable play calling on the second-to-last offensive drive of the game where the Ravens went three and out. They had a two-point lead with 3.29 left in the game with, their ball, with the ball at their own 25-yard line. And with Alex Collins, who had already had a day of over 100 yards rushing on the ground, they throw two incomplete passes and run once for seven yards. Just completely unacceptable. I don't care who the coordinator is there. Just, just not recognizing the situation and the need to run down some clock with the success you've had during the game the entire day. I didn't understand that at all. But with that being said, when the defense as a unit 
you know, the Steelers score on their last four drives. The Ravens blow an 11-point lead. And the Steelers scored 20 points in the fourth quarter alone with Ben throwing in just the fourth quarter 206 passing yards. Antonio Brown had 106 reception yards, and Jesse James with 62 reception yards. And if you look on my Twitter feed, I, I tweeted that out. Uh, I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I tweeted that out just a couple minutes ago. Overall, the Steelers, Ben, finishing with 506 passing yards, two touchdowns. Antonio Brown had 11 receptions for 213 yards. James had 10 receptions for 97 yards. There's a lot more to the box score. Those are just the top numbers there. Uh, but way more bigger than you would, you'd like to expect. And going back to the Ravens, who've preached every single season, we're going to build our team to defeat the AFC North and compete and be able to beat the Steelers. The defense just hasn't gotten the job done in the past couple of times these last two teams have met. And then on top of all of this, you have the Patriots losing on Monday Night Football, sliding the Steelers up by a full game to the number one seed in the AFC with the two teams meeting on Sunday in Pittsburgh. Uh, just really, really frustrating here. And if we look at the playoff picture now, in the AFC, the Steelers are the number one seed at 11 and 2 as of now. The Patriots number two at 10 and 3. The Jaguars at 9 and 4, and the Chiefs are 7 and 6. And then the wild card, you have the Titans at 8 and 5. And technically on NFL.com, they have the Bills listed as the second wild card spot, even though the Ravens have a better uh, divisional record than they do. I guess the Bills have a better margin of victory, but still, uh, the Bills have to play the Patriots again. And they have a much tougher schedule than the Ravens do. They played the, the Dolphins this weekend as well. Uh, but Joe and then Chris. How, if that, as as if Sunday night was enough, then you have the Patriots laying an egg on Monday Night Football and putting the Steelers up a full game. I know I know that the hatred is kind of split between both the Patriots and the Steelers, but with such that that loss just fresh in everyone's minds, really tough to see the Patriots lay an egg on Monday night. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. That honestly might be the game of the year between the Steelers and Patriots, and that's going to decide the first overall seed in the AFC this year. And I think the last thing. The Ravens want us for the road to the playoffs to go to Pittsburgh. I don't care whether the Steelers look like a more beatable team. The Patriots were still without Gronk. And, I mean, Brady did kind of lay an eight. They didn't have a great game, but they're still 10-3 and three for a reason. They're a very good football team. I think there's no denying that. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like if you would have beat the Steelers on Sunday night and then the Patriots would have lost, the Ravens would be on top of the world right now. You'd be on cloud nine knowing that you beat one of the best teams in the AFC this year and then the Patriots dropped an egg against the Dolphins. So I, you, it's just a bunch of what-ifs, and the Ravens can win out. It's, they still just have such a tough road to go to the AFC, even with all the the question is there is behind behind the first and second seed. But you know, once you get into the divisional round in the AFC Championship, it's going to be the Steelers and the Patriots. And I don't know how confident you feel on the road against one of those teams, especially with how the defense played against the Steelers on Sunday night. I completely agree with everything Joe just said. I'll add this. The Ravens losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers and having this golden opportunity kind of lost, it, it, it shows you that they're really not a great team. They're not a bad team. They're not, they're not in the realm of the Browns, but they're in this middle ground where it's just, it just seems pointless. And I think we're going to get into the playoffs this year. And I think everything's going to stay the same. And, you know, it's like one of those, things a, a rat wheel where you know the the rat uh, ro the mouse in the lab runs through the wheel and he keeps going and you don't go anywhere you just stay you just stay in the same spot you're, you're running you're running you're running and you stay in the same exact spot and that's what the ravens are doing and if they had won they have a golden opportunity and to end up being a great ravens team now they're probably just going to be another meh 
And certainly a lot of meh after the Ravens' 39-38 to loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football pretty much sums up the uh, gist of how all Ravens fans are feeling right now. Before we move on to uh, breaking down the Ravens' remaining schedule and talking about the Browns game, we want to go over some standout performers, both good and bad, on offense and defense. We'll go over to uh, start after me. We'll go to uh, Chris and then Joe. We can kind of go around as uh, just a player or two that we're happy with and a player that we're not so happy with. For me, I'll start with the bad, uh, and we can go on offense and defense as well. On offense, I'm particularly annoyed with Jeremy Macklin. Uh, was thought to be a really good uh, pickup for uh, the Ravens at the time. I think it still was a decent pickup at the time, but I think Ravens fans' expectations for what Macklin was going to be able to do as a number one receiver. And then you add in all the, the training camp and the Flacco injury. Now Macklin's been beat up all season. Just really disappointing, and Sunday night's really the perfect example. In 11 targets, he only hauled in three receptions for 27 yards. Big disappointment there. And then on defense, you know, it's hard to be mad at Brandon Carr, even though he was horrible in coverage against Antonio Brown. He's not, going into the season, the thought was he wasn't going to have to be matched up in a pitiful game like this against Antonio Brown and credit, um, the you know, the other side of the Ravens' defense for, you know, doing what, what they did. But on defense, I'm particularly, you know, with, with it being so hard to be mad at Carr, I'm particularly mad at C.J. Mosley, who had a hell of a time in coverage with Jesse James. And really, a couple of times this season, Mosley has really struggled in coverage, which dates back to his rookie season. And then another guy that you're that I'm upset with is uh, Tony Jefferson, a big free agent signing, uh, one of the top graded safeties uh, according to Pro Football Focus the last couple of years with the Cardinals. And then, for the most part, he's been really disappointing. You know, he finally got his first interception a couple weeks ago. Uh, good for him. But when you look at the money they're paying him, and yes, is he a better option than Webb? Sure. But the entire body of work, he has not lived up to the hype all season. Before we praise uh, the Ravens that we think did well on Sunday night, we'll go over to Chris and then Joe. Who are you upset with? Uh, and you can add on to either what I said or kind of change it up, bring in more players. But who are you, who are you upset with following that game? I agree with everything you said, uh, Jake. What I will add is I'm upset with the coordinators. I know we're talking about players, but the coordinators – Lost of this game. I think we played well enough to win this football game, despite all the problems with Brandon Carr completely just looking. Brandon Carr looked like a rookie, and Marlon Humphrey looked like a 31-year-old veteran. That's mm-hmm. that's what happened. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. C.J. Mosley, great. Who's playing linebacker next to Mosley? He disappears. Honestly, he disappears. Um, Willie Henry. Michael Pierce, Brandon Williams, where were you in this game? And here's my question. Where were you? Because you're getting nickel and dimed. The pass rush had to come from the inside because you're not getting – Roethlisberger wasn't holding it long enough to let Suggs and Judon even make an impact in this game. So you can't be mad at the outside linebackers for not getting pass rush. They the Steelers' offensive line is good, and Ben Roethlisberger got rid of the ball within seconds, which is really out of character for him. Um, but where was the interior defensive line? I mean, it, the, in the middle of the Ravens' defense, from the safeties, linebackers, and defensive line, I am so sick with, especially because almost every single one of those players has had a tremendous season and has dominated in almost every matchup this season. And when they did it against the Detroit Lions, you can do it against the Pittsburgh Steelers because if I had dollars for donuts, a 
the Lions schedule and Steelers schedule, I think the Lions might actually be a better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers have the easiest schedule in the AFC. They won the games they were supposed to win. The Ravens could have been in the same exact position. And guess what? They could have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, you guys saw all the good ones. Um, I was particularly also kind of mad at the tight ends. Like, where have they been? I mean, Ben Watson is the leading receiver on this team, and he was nowhere to be found. That stupid screen they threw to Nick Boyle, other than that, he didn't really have much other kind of production. I mean, the tight ends have been completely absent from the game. No, no kind of impact within the passing game whatsoever. Um, like you guys said, there was absolutely no pass rush. Ben Roethlisberger could sit in the chair for all he wanted all day in the pocket. And he even had that, a couple of plays where he had a wide open lane in front of him and was able to run for a first down. I mean, that's an unacceptable demand to barely walk for all the injuries he's had. And he, he was running like, uh, like I don't even know. He's running like he could run like a four four forty. I mean, he just had so much open space. It was ridiculous. And mostly, too, I'll add on to that. I, I just – Hey, he's struggled in pass coverage a lot this season. I just don't think he's fully healthy, though. I mean, he came in with that ankle injury this week, and he's had those two shoulder stingers the past two weeks. I think he's definitely playing through something, but he still was – he got torched. I mean, he was making Vance McDonald and Jesse James look like all pro tight ends. I mean, that one third and 13 that the Steelers had on, like, the field goal drive, um, they were backed up in their zone 20 or 30-yard line. I mean, that was a crucial first down, and – there were a couple plays I watched back where Mosley just got beat on a couple cuts, and James and McDonald were wide open. I mean, there's just no way that they should be uh, so wide open and have the games they had. But, I mean, a lot of the stuff on the defense, the pass rush, which we've seen much improved from last season. I mean, Tim Williams didn't have much of an impact. Ty Souser didn't. I mean, those rookies really weren't giving much. Marlon Humphrey was fantastic. He had a great game. I wish he would have been on Antonio Brown a little bit more. Um, he got into his head, forced that 15-yard penalty, which was great. And even I saw uh, safety Chuck Clark was making a couple plays. He had a that play on that two-point conversion that stopped um, Le'Veon Bell. He's actually been used in a couple of different packages, and I really kind of like how the Ravens have been utilizing him. But, I mean, other than him and Humphrey, where's the production been for many of the other rookies this season? really haven't seen it. Where's Chris Wormley been? Tim Williams has been injured part of the season. Ty Stiles has had a couple good weeks in the first first part of the season, so what? Like, where's he been? That's our second-round pick. This is the man we drafted over an offensive playmaker that we could have gotten. I mean, I have yet to see the production from him. With Zedaria Smith out, you thought we would have seen a little bit more of him, but you didn't, didn't really see much at all. Didn't, have any, didn't really have much of an impact. Well, since I began the doom and gloom conversation and started naming the players that I uh, wasn't so happy with, we'll switch gears now. I'll, I'll turn it around to Joe. Who do we want to praise? And then we'll go over to Chris and kind of reverse the order. Uh, even though, even though they lost, it was a 39 to 38 game. They still managed to put up 38 points. Who should we be praising for their performances on Sunday night? I think we should be praising Chris Moore. He had a great game and he's suddenly become one of the better receiving options for Ravens to have. That was a great touchdown pass that he had from Joe. Uh, touchdown catch he had from Jeff Lackey, even though he was wide open, had that really nice sideline grab too uh, later in the game. And he's had a good impact on special teams. He had a couple great kick returns compared to when we were watching Martavis Bryant almost run it into the back of the end zone for a safety for the Steelers. So I think he's really kind of come into his own without Rashad Perryman. He's really taking advantage of those opportunities. And, I mean, I'm not sure how much of an impact he's going to have the rest of the season. I know he got injured during the game, but if Wallace and Macklin are – just, you can't tell week to week. Uh, hopefully Chris Moore gets a couple more reps. I seems like he's got good chemistry with Flacco, unlike the other two receivers, and hopefully he can get some more looks. Um, I'm not sure what will come out of it, but, I mean, he was, I believe, a, a third-round pick. So, I mean, 
you'd hope the Ravens could get some kind of production out of him, and they've been lacking at the wide receiver position all season. And then, of course, Alex Collins. I mean, he had such a great game, 120 yards, got in the end zone again, hit five touchdowns down four games. I mean, he's hopefully the running back of the future. He's only 23 years old. I can't believe the Seahawks dumped him off on the side of the street. I mean, it's been the best pickup the Ravens have had, and he's just been fantastic. That one run he had where he bolted, or the one catch he had, they bulldozed Arthur Most, Arthur, Arthur Motes and Sean Davis and picked up like 30 yards. I mean, that was a play that most running backs would just run out of bounds. I mean, he's only like 210 pounds and plays like a LeGarrette Blunt or like a bigger running back. And he just runs so hard. It reminds me so much of Marshawn Lynch. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping he's going to be continuing that production. He's the Ravens' biggest offensive weapon going down the end of the stretch. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys said there. Uh, more fantastic. I want, Danny Woodhead uh, had some huge receptions in this game. Uh, the opening drive he kept alive, and to be honest, that opening drive would have been amazing if Joe Flacco didn't make the most boneheaded throw ever. But I kind of want to praise Joe Flacco. The offense played well, and Flacco made some big time throws. Now the ending of the game, yeah, it sucked, but there's a lot of pressure in that situation, and. I mean, with no time timeouts at the end, there was so little you could actually accomplish. Um, so I kind of want to praise Joe Flacco. I think the offensive line played a pretty decent game. I Defensively, Marlon Humphrey, man, played outstanding. And I, it really annoys me that he didn't get more chance to against Antonio Brown because at that point, what can you lose by putting a rookie on Antonio Brown? What can you lose? I mean, if you're if Brandon Carr can't do it, see if Marlon Humphrey can do it, and then if he does it, look. Just imagine the confidence that would build in a rookie corner. Unbelievable, unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me that Marlon Humphrey didn't get more of an opportunity against the best receiver in football, who was destroying the Ravens. And by the way, I you know I I, I got to praise. I gotta praise Eric Weddle because this that safety safety game looked horrible. Just imagine if Weddle wasn't there. I don't know what Tony Jefferson was doing in this game. I, if Weddle wasn't there, we probably would have gave, given up 700 yards. And that's the sad fact. Our corner got beat night time and time and time and time again. What do, what do you want want the Ravens defense to do when the entire the, you have uh, of 11 guys, you have about eight guys not doing their jobs. I get really frustrated because we praise the defense, we praise the defense, then they have one moment where we really need it, don't do it. I, I, I'm, I know we're trying to be positive. I'm, I'm having a hard time. No, I've certainly shared a lot of the similar frustrations you did, especially on Sunday night. I have I have cooled down a little bit. I will I will admit I was upset Sunday night at the end of the game, but uh, all things considered, I've given it some time, and uh, – I'm just all, all all in Cleveland right now. But before we get into the Cleveland game, we got to say we are the Ebony Bird Podcast, the official fan side affiliate of the Baltimore Ravens. You can find us on ebonybird.com and ebony underscore bird on Twitter, as well as our mobile app. Make sure to download that from the App Store to check out all of our content on your mobile device. Again, I'm contributor Jake McDonald, joined by Sled Experts Chris Schistler at FootballMan58 and Joe Schiller at Joe Schiller with two R's on Twitter. I, myself, and Jay McDonald, 95. So looking at the Ravens' remaining schedule, we're going to break down uh, the the Browns game here in a second, but we wanted to discuss whether or not the Ravens are going to win out or whether or not there's going to be another letdown. Uh, they play at Cleveland this Sunday. All the games remaining 
Uh, they have two one o'clock games and the, the the Colts game on the 23rd, which is next weekend. That's on a Saturday. It's going to be played at 4:30. We'll see what happens there. The last game on New Year's Eve against the Bengals. The last two in Baltimore, uh, with the one this Sunday. The last road test of the season coming up from Cleveland. And before we, I mean, we're, we're going to get into the game here in a minute. We'll go over to Chris and then Joe. Uh, whether or not we're looking out for a win-out or a letdown, I think if there's one team on the schedule that scares me, it's the Bengals, just for the sole fact of their uh, recent history against us and their dominance over us, even though we uh, defeated them 20 to nothing at the beginning of the season. Um, even though I still think that they have a good chance, they have the best chance out of all three of these teams, something about this Cleveland game just doesn't seem right to me. Um, I don't know if the Ravens are going to have a little bit of a hangover from the uh, big Sunday night left down and carry that into Cleveland. Uh, but again, you know, they're looking for their first win. And uh, and just, just something about this game screams trap game to me. And I've just, I get flashbacks to 10 years ago to the 2007 season. The Ravens were going down to Miami on an eight-game losing streak. The Dolphins hadn't won a game yet. And then they turn around and won and beat the Ravens, ended up being their only win of the season. That game was also in Week 15. So similar situation here, Kristen and Joe. Are, are you worried about the Browns game at all, or am I just being crazy? I don't think you're crazy at all for being worried about the Cleveland Browns. And the reason is they gave the Packers a run for their money. They, they've given some teams real hard fights, and they just haven't pulled out a win. So I don't think you're crazy about the losing – the Browns scaring you. I just don't think we're going to lose. I think we'll squeak out a win or we'll dominate. If we dominate, I'll be happy. If we squeak out a win, I'll be nervous for the next two games. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy either. I mean, I always think of the Browns as a, no matter how good or bad they're playing, because back in 2015, I went to a game where Josh McCown threw for like 400 yards and Raymond Boss in overtime. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. So I never want to, think that the Ravens could just roll over the Browns. But if they if this is a game where they can get to them early and just kind of shut them down in the first first half, I think it's a game they should definitely win and then a game they will win. But, I mean, there's always the chance that it's a trap game. You never know. It's the NFL. It's a week-to-week league, and anything can happen. I mean, we saw the Packers almost go down last week. That would have ended their season. So I think the Ravens are in the same boat. You never know what's going to happen. And I think they're better than when the Ravens played them Early in the season, Josh Gordon's going to be a problem, like we'll get into. But, I mean, the Ravens should win, but, you know, you always have that thing in the back of your head where you never know. And breaking in uh, the Browns game, of course, the Ravens picking up a 24-10 win over Cleveland in Week 2 in Baltimore. Just some quick tidbits on my end on this game. I uh, just wrote, Deshaun Kaiser has just been bad so far this season. Uh, Josh Gordon and David, David Njoku, the rookie tight end, could give the Ravens secondary problems. It'll be interesting to see um, how particularly Brandon Carr holds up against Josh Gordon following a rough week last week. The last time the Ravens uh, lost in Cleveland was 2013, and the last time the Ravens won to the Browns as a team was in Baltimore during the 2015 season. Isaiah Crowell is 14th in the NFL in rushing yards this season with 716 yards and two touchdowns, while the Ravens' defense is 13th against the run, so a pretty even matchup there. And then real quick, flack all-time against the Browns. 16-2 and two with 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 90.5 rating. I'm going Ravens 31, Browns 20. Uh, I think this game might be close for like the first half, but then the Ravens might start to pull away in the second half. I don't think it's going to be a completely stress-free game. I think the Ravens will somehow find a way to make it interesting. But this is a game that the Ravens uh, need to win to stay in the hunt, and I think they'll get the job done. They're going to be pissed off about the Sunday night game. You could tell 
in the locker room after the game and on Monday yesterday during Harbaugh's press conference. They're not happy. I think this team, even though they're a little beat up right now, is, is going to be motivated and going to be all business Sunday in Cleveland, and it'll get the job done and get a win. Uh, we'll shoot over to, to uh, Chris and then Joe. Any final thoughts regarding the game before we sign off? I think this will be a Ravens win. Give me the Ravens 23-10. to 10. I think it'll be very similar to their uh, game in Baltimore earlier this season. Um, I'm not. I'm not worried about the game. I just hope the Ravens don't give me a reason to worry during the game. They, you know, the Ravens never make anything easy. The Cleveland Browns are a division rival. I can see this one being tight, but I don't think it will be. Yeah, I'll go Ravens 28, Browns 14. I think the Ravens won by two touchdowns. The Browns aren't that good. Um, Josh Gordon could pose a problem, but I think the Ravens have learned from last week. Um, we'll definitely have their film studied and we'll have that figured out. Uh, should be business as usual, like you guys said. I mean, this is one of these games that just need to win to get to the playoffs. And yeah, there's nothing really much more to say about that. The Ravens should win these last three games and earn the wild card spot in the AFC. It'll happen Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Ravens traveling to Cleveland for their last regular season road trip of the season to take on the Cleveland Browns at 1 o'clock, looking to rebound from their 39-38 loss to the Steelers on Sunday Night Football, snapping a three-game win streak. Again, I'm contributor Jake McDonald with our two site experts for Ebony Bird, Chris Schisler at FootballMan58, and Joe Schiller with two R's. Uh, Joe Schiller, our two site experts here. Make sure you find all of our work at either EbonyBird.com, the official Ebony Bird app, and, of course, Ebony underscore Bird on Twitter. And as always, we are coming to you crystal clear through either iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. So uh, for Chris and Joe, I'm Jake McDonald. And hopefully when we come to you next week, your finals will be over for those of you that have finals. And we will be talking to you after hopefully another Ravens win. 